Great. Well, we're going to turn to the Bible. We're going to turn to God's Word, to Galatians, for the last time. Probably not last time ever, but the last time at the moment. Um, And we're going to pick up the last little chunk of Paul's letter. Um, It'll be on the screen if you grab on your phone or um, have one of the church Bibles. It will help you to follow along. Um, Now, we're actually going to start from verse 10. Can you flick forward a slide? Um, that little bit, verses 7 to 9. I didn't do that last week. If that was your favorite bit of Galatians, I apologize. We'll do it next time we do Galatians. We're going to go from verse, 10, uh, verse 11 sorry, to the end. Verse 11 to the end um, of the chapter. So here is the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the churches in Galatia, which is in southern Turkey. He says, See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Um, Let me start with a confession. My confession is that as I get to the end of this book of Galatians, there are still a whole heap of things that I don't understand. There are still questions I've got about this book. There are still bits of this letter that I'm really struggling to unravel. It's so deep and so profound But that's actually okay, because it means we can come back to it again sometime, and we can learn more. And just because we haven't understood everything, it doesn't mean we've understood nothing, right? And the way that God's Word works is that as we wrestle with it, as we think about it, as we ask the Spirit to help us to understand, He gives us more and more understanding. So if you get to the end of the book of Galatians and think, well, I've learned some things, but there's a lot I don't understand. Join the club. (laughs) But let's see now how Paul finishes this letter. Because actually what Paul does at the end is it's like he takes some of his big major threads and pulls them together. And I love what he says in verse 11. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Slightly spoiled, isn't it, by our size 8 font. I'm not sure it's what it would have looked like. It seems likely that Paul has been using a scribe, he's been dictating this letter to the Galatians, and he's been speaking out the truths that we've been learning for the last few weeks. And as he gets towards the end, as he kind of builds towards his big climax, he says, give me the pen. (laughs) And he takes hold of the pen, and he writes in his own hand. It was the authenticating mark of his letters. This is how you know it was really from Paul. It's in his handwriting. And the fact that he writes it big, some people think it's because he had an eye problem. Some people, maybe. I think it's more likely that he says, I'm going to write this really big. 
because I don't want you to miss it. Let me spell this out in capital letters. Let me speak this as clearly as I can. I'm writing this to you with my own hand. Pay attention. He's underlining what he's about to say as he finishes. And what he says is what he's been saying all the way through. He talks about two groups. He talks about two ways of understanding reality, two ways of living. And verse 12, you can see it. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. That is, there is this group within the church that Paul has established, a group who've come into the church who are now trying to compel the church to adopt the practice of circumcision. And we've seen all the way through that Paul is seriously upset about this. He said that this group who've come into the church, this group of false teachers... He says that they are perverting the gospel of Christ. He says that they are under a curse. He says they're leading people into confusion. He says that they are to be silenced. So serious what they're doing. And so for one last time, let's see if we can engage with what this serious thing that's happening in the church is. And then in verses 14 to the end, we'll see what Paul is desperately crying out to us to adopt and to live by. So here's the wrong teaching. Here's the wrong understanding. Here's how I've tried to summarize it for today. Um, Paul's opponents, these false teachers, are saying in the church that there is an, an additional act that will secure your identity. I'm going to explain it, so don't worry if you don't get it. But there's an additional act that will secure your identity. So this is how it works. The church has heard about Jesus. Yay, Jesus. And the church has come into existence. Yay. And they're excited about Jesus. They're singing about Jesus. But this new group have come along, and then they're not denying Jesus. They're just saying, look, there's something more. There's an additional act that you need, which will really secure your identity. If you really want to be God's people, you need this. And the particular thing that they're telling them they need is that they need to be circumcised. That is effectively, you need to become Jewish. Now, look, let's, let's step back and just think about this for a second. Circumcision, we're going to talk about circumcision quite a bit today. I apologize if that's uncomfortable, but we, we need to think about it. Not, you get my thought. Oh, man. You understand. Right, here we go. What, circumcision, what a weird thing. What is that? All right? This distinguishing mark on the male body where the foreskin was cut away. What? What is that? Well, let me tell you, when it was first given, it was such a good thing. You see, there was Abraham. We've heard a lot about Abraham. God made promises to Abraham. He was going to bless the world through Abraham. But then he said to Abraham, I want you to be circumcised. And all of your offspring to be circumcised. And actually, what it was, was a mark of the identity that Abraham had. Abraham, you are my chosen, 
My, you're my chosen person who through whom the blessing will come. You are my child. You're being adopted. You, it's your family that will become my family. And Abraham, because of that, I want you to bear this mark on your body. So actually, it was a beautiful, one word, it was a great thing because it showed that you were part of the blessing. There was nothing wrong with the act of circumcision, right? It, it's a bit like, you know, in the film Toy Story, Now you're wondering where I'm going. It's a bit like in Toy Story, where if you look at the bottom of Andy's shoe, uh, Woody's shoe, get it right, you look at the bottom of Woody's shoe, what does it say? Andy. Because when Woody became Andy's toy, and he marked Woody with his name, Andy. And it showed him. And actually, as the film goes on, that becomes a really important motif as he looks at the sign on the bottom of his shoe that tells him who he is. His identity is defined by the name on the bottom of his shoe. And for Abraham, his identity was defined by the mark he wore on his body. Circumcision was the mark that defined his identity. It was how he knew who he was. What a great thing. But what happened as the story of the Bible goes on is that this outward mark, which showed the inward reality of who Abraham was, this connection between the outward mark and the true identity, what happened was a gap begins to open up. That God's people continued to bear the mark of circumcision, but their hearts didn't belong to God. <laughs> So they had the mark, but their hearts were far away from God. Can you see the problem? So this good act of circumcision has become nothing, meaningless, because their hearts don't love God. And in fact, even right back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses Moses knew that the external act of circumcision was never going to be enough because God said one day, um, Moses said that one day the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. So what is needed is the external mark on the body needs to be matched by the internal circumcision of the heart. Are we following this? There needs to not be this gap. And so the gap has opened. And so the people now say, well, we're still the blessed people of God because we're circumcised. But their hearts are miles away. And God says, you are not my people because you've abandoned me and you've turned to other gods. So we've got to understand that this mark originally was a good thing. But in time it became... A bad thing. It became almost something which showed how far they'd gone. You say that you belong to God, but your heart is far from him. And this sign that was a blessing became a curse because it showed how wrong they were. And so this external, so the identity then became tied purely to the external mark of circumcision, not to the inward reality of the heart. 
Now, what happened in Jesus is that Jesus comes. Jesus comes to save and to bring a people to himself. And people come to Jesus and they're saved. We'll think more about that in a second. But what then happened was that there were these false teachers who were saying, yeah, but you still need the mark. You still need the external mark. And that will guarantee your identity. And Paul, all the way through the book of Galatians, has been saying, no, you do not need the external mark anymore because God has circumcised your hearts. Because in Jesus, you are now all one in Christ. You don't need an external mark. You don't need an additional act that secures your identity. You don't need it. And the reason that Paul is so upset about this, right, let's look back at the text. We've tried to paint in some of the background to this. But look at verse 12. What, what, what does it lead to if you begin to think that this external act will guarantee your identity? Well, verse 12 says it will mean that you seek applause from people. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. As soon as you begin to let your identity be defined by an outward, an additional act, something that you do in addition to what Jesus has done, as soon as that defines your identity, you, you are in danger of seeking the applause of people. People saying, oh, well done, you're so great. You're so fab, what a great Christian you are. Because your identity is now secured by what you've done. And suddenly we begin to be proud, not of Jesus, but of what we've done. Can we see this? We begin to be proud of what we have achieved, the outward act that we have done. So here's, here's the thing. If you are hungry for the approval of other human beings... As a Christian, if you are, seek your approval from other people in the church, if you seek their applause in order to understand your identity, you're falling into this danger of an additional act that secures your identity. Rather than trusting in the identity that Christ has given you, you are beginning to base your identity on your additional acts that define who you are. And the tragedy is, do you see the language in verse 12? Those who want to impress people are trying to compel you to be circumcised. You say, this group coming in, they're trying to, by power of human approval, trying to force you to conform. It's extraordinary, isn't it? The, the power of human approval to make you behave in a certain way. You're in a certain group and you act in a way you'd never normally act, but you act in that way because of the, you feel compelled to by the people around you. Because otherwise people might disapprove of you. You know, the, 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 the clothes that you wear. Most of the choices about the clothes we wear are what will make me be approved of, right? And this is so deeply built within us that actually as a church, we can do this. What is the behavior that I feel compelled to do so that other people will say, oh, well done, you're such a great Christian. And then we base our security on that thing. This power of approval is so manipulative. 
And I want to say to you, I really want to say to you as carefully as I can, if you find yourself in a church or in a situation where people are controlling you to do a certain thing, to add a certain act, to behave in a certain way, and are saying, this, you need to do this to secure your true identity, be very careful. Your identity is secure in Christ. Now, we're going to think about what that looks like in a second, all right? So if you've got questions, hang on. But fundamentally, that compulsion, that control, that manipulation is completely ruled out by what Paul says there. That's what false teachers do. That's what cults do, right? No, you need to follow our little rituals. You need to follow our little schemes. And it's not just cults. It's churches like ours can do this. You need to behave in a certain way. You need to... You'd have certain gifts. You need to be the sort of certain sort of person. And then you'll get the applause and everyone will say, you're a great Christian. So it leads to seeking applause, but it also leads to avoiding offense. So look at the second half of verse 12. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted with the cross of Christ. So here's this, this group who've come into the church and say, yeah, it's great, you've got Jesus and all that. But actually, if you really want to be part of our group, if you really want to be part of the in crowd, then you need to get circumcised. And the great thing then about putting all the emphasis on getting circumcised rather than on on Jesus dying for you is that then it takes away the, because the cross, right, it's quite offensive because the cross tells you that you need saving. The cross tells you that you can't do it on your own. The cross tells you that you're in trouble. The cross kind of humbles you, whereas this elevates you. You could do this. So if you behave in this certain way, then everyone will say, wow, you're great, and there's no offense in that. So if you are someone who loves applause and wants to avoid avoid a difficult life, this is the path to go down. It's terrific. Find an additional act, something that you can take pride in, something that proves that you're a great Christian, Take the applause and avoid the offense. But Paul exposes them in verse 13. Not not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. He says it's all hypocrisy. They want you to do this external act, but they don't even keep the law. It's all for show, it's all external, it's not real. This is not the same sort of circumcision that Abraham did, right? Abraham was circumcised because he loved God and because he was like, I'm yours and his heart was God's and therefore the external showed the internal. But here, they don't love God. They love themselves. They don't keep God's law. But they want to force other people to behave the way they want them to. So we need to be really careful that we don't find ourselves thinking there is an additional act that will secure my identity, something that will make me really sure I'm a Christian. But let me turn to the flip side because this is, hopefully this will clarify what we've just been seeing. Because what Paul says is forget the additional act. Instead, he says there is a decisive act that secures your identity. 
There's already an act that has happened that absolutely secures who you are. Which is why in verse 14, Paul says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, this is so, this verse is so powerful. He looks at these false teachers who are obsessed with boasting about the things that they have done, the things that show how great they are, the things that show that they are truly God's people. Yeah, yeah, we've got all this stuff. And Paul says, I will never do that. May I never, ever, ever do that. May I never boast. That's right. That's quite challenging, isn't it? (laughs) When I think of all the things that I love to boast about, all the ways that I love to kind of let people know that I'm doing lots of great things, you know, the subtle ways that we find to, you know, obviously you can't tell people up front how great you are, but you find subtle ways to let them know And we love the applause. And Paul says, I never want that. May I never want that. May I never crave that sort of approval because there is a better thing. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to boast in the cross. That's it. I want to glory. I want to... To, to marvel. I, I want my whole identity to be tied to the cross of Christ, not to some additional act that I might perform, but entirely to the cross of Christ, entirely to what Jesus has done. May I never boast. It's a decisive act. Now, we talk a lot about the cross. And, um, and churches put crosses on their tops of their buildings. And the cross is this thing that we, we talk about. But, but do we see how decisive the cross is? When Jesus died on the cross, everything changed. Right? When Jesus died on the cross, everything in all of history changed. It was so decisive. And that one decisive act has guaranteed for Paul an identity that can never be taken away from him. So he says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Ah, interesting. If I'd said to you on the way into church this afternoon... Why did Jesus die on the cross for you? What would you have said? If I said, why did Jesus die on the cross? I wonder what you'd have said. Probably you'd have said something like, um, so that I could be forgiven of my sin, or to die in my place, or to take the punishment I deserved. Loads of things like that. I don't think many of us would have said, he died on the cross so that I might die to the world and the world might die to me. You see how sometimes Paul just takes our little categories that we get so used to, we get in our little rut of, we sing these songs and we go, yes, Jesus died for me, and all this sort of stuff, which is great, right? Don't hear me saying it's not great. It's great. It's great. But what Paul does is he then says something in a way that you go, whoa, hang on a second. What does that mean? 
And I think what Paul means when he says, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, is that the whole system of boasting in my action and my finding my identity in what I do, Paul says, I am dead to that. He used to be alive to it, right? There was a time when Paul had the best CV in the world when it came to God. There was a time when Paul could list, here is my CV. I hate writing a CV. I find myself putting things like cycling proficiency, (laughs) right? You're going, this is going to impress someone somewhere. This is what we've been looking for, a candidate with cycling. Anyway, Paul, he has this amazing CV that lists all his great credentials, all the things that he was circumcised on the eighth day, exactly how it was supposed to be done. He came from the right tribe. He kept the law. He did it perfect. He was awesome. He was so great. And he knew it. He knew it. He was full of pride. Full of boasting. Boasting in what he had done. Finding his identity in his additional acts. And loving it. You know that self-righteousness is an incredibly powerful motivator, right? The power to not do something because someone else is and it makes you feel good when you don't. So as the cakes are passed around and you watch everybody take a cake and you say, no. There's something so powerful about So, Of course, you don't boast about it outwardly, but you... Inwardly, you're like, well done, (laughs) strong. And this is Paul, right? Paul, he was alive to the world, this whole way of the flesh of thinking. And then the cross happened. And Jesus died. And as Jesus died, it's as if Jesus said, Paul, all of that stuff counts for nothing. All of this stuff that you boast in, all of this stuff that you're so pleased with yourself for, all of it counts for nothing. You are absolutely lost without Jesus. And Jesus, as he stretches out his arms on the cross, says, Paul, I love you. I love you. I'm I'm not impressed by you. I love you. It's a very different thing. And Christ died. Christ was crucified. And as Christ was crucified, hear what Paul says. Paul doesn't just say, oh, I was forgiven and Jesus took the punishment. He says, the world, that whole way of operating and relating to God, all of that, I was crucified to that. And that was crucified to me. That's no longer my boast. Do you feel the force of what Paul is saying? It's so massive. The cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said this already several times in Galatians. The son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Paul's boast. It was me. My circumcision and my obedience to the law. Now it's the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. You see the difference? It was, look at what I've done. Now it's, look at what he's done. It was, let me try and secure my identity. Now it's, he has secured it for me. That's why Paul says, I'm going to boast in the cross. I'm going to boast every day about the cross. And when that stupid little bit of pride comes inside me, he goes, yeah, Paul, aren't you doing well? I'm going to smash it in the face and say, no, may I never boast in you. I'm boasting the cross. I boast in what Jesus has done for me. It's all him. And that's why he says in verse 15, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. (laughs) I did see a funny meme about this. Some of you might have seen this with a picture of a guy looking sad. They said the guy who got circumcised the day before the letter to Galatians arrived. (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) What he's saying is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. Because your, your identity is not secured by your outward additional acts. It's secured by what Christ has done. And what he's done, listen to this. What he's done is made you a new creation. That's what he's done. What counts is a new creation. And actually, not you, actually. Us. A new creation people. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just so that you could be forgiven and go to heaven when you die. It was so that you could be made new. Not new in the sense of let's chuck out the old and replace it, but new as in let's take the old and let's remake it. So it's still Paul, but it's not Paul. It's not Paul the boaster, it's now Paul the boaster in Christ. He's new, he's a completely new person. You have to. You have to understand this. If you are trusting Christ, you are a new person. The old has gone. The world is dead. All of that is finished with because Christ died and he's made you new. That is your identity. You don't have to make yourself new. You don't have to make yourself better. You don't have to improve yourself. You're already new. You're new. And so the big message of Galatians is stop trying to add additional acts to secure your identity. Rather, live out this new identity that you already have. And that's why the last thing I want us to see in verse 16 is if you understand what Christ has done, then you will follow this rule. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. I love this. At the end of a book where he's talked about law and he said, not the law, not the law, not the law. He goes, yeah, follow this rule. (laughs) What? Yes, this rule. This rule. It has the idea of the straight line. Follow this straight line. Live this new creation. What is the new creation? It's Christ, right? It's Jesus. Now, as he lives in you by his spirit, you now can choose to live like him. You can now obey him. You can love like him. 
And so all the stuff that we've seen over the last few weeks about serving one another, about carrying each other's burdens, about living this life where you sacrifice yourself. Yes, back when I was alive to the world and I wanted to boast about my identity in the world, it was about me doing what I wanted. But now all that's dead. Now it's about Christ. I'm new and therefore I can live this new life. And here's his final dig at the false teachers, his final dig at the group who've come in. In the verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. He says to a Gentile church, you want to know who the true Israel are? They're not the circumcised. They're those who follow this rule. Christ, who now live their lives in obedience to this Lord, who now lives their lives joyfully submitting to this new creation. That's how Paul lived. He bears on his body the marks of Jesus. If you want to know what new creation means, it, prob- it might well mean you get beaten up. It might well mean you carry scars on your body. Because that's the freedom that Jesus has come to save us for. So where does all this mean as we leave the book of Galatians? There's so much more that could be said. There's so many questions still to unravel. But fundamentally, I think God wants you to know your identity is secure. Your identity is entirely defined by Christ and what Christ has done. And you can live out that identity in the way that we love each other. We don't have to try and prove ourselves. We don't have to run around trying desperately to secure our identity. It's already secure. So how confident are you this afternoon that you're loved by God? How confident are you that you're his child? How confident are you that you right now are an inheritor of his blessing? How confident are you that there is a promise that lasts for all eternity? How confident are you that you're a new creation in Christ? How much do you know that you're loved? Do you know it? That's what the book of Galatians is about. Know who you are. Know who we are. One in Christ. And as we see the cross, as we boast in the cross, it will unite us in a way that nothing else ever can. So let's go out into this world to live new creation lives. Lives where we do good. Lives where we make a difference. Lives where we show Christ to this world. Lives where we suffer. Lives perhaps where we offend. Lives perhaps where things are hard, perhaps where we bear scars on our body, but lives where we boast of Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen.